We're early in our short series on prayer, and as we um, try to find sort of a frame in which we can understand and practice our prayer lives, I want to suggest today that um, prayer can be thought of as a dance. Now, from a non-dancer, uh, anything I say technically is subject to correction big time. I can't dance. I've never been able to dance. I wasn't allowed to dance when I became a Christian, but now Christians do dance for some reason. I think that's good. But I want to, uh, I w- I want to share with you a, a short passage of scripture that both fascinated me and stymied me for a long, long time. It's part of the great high priestly prayer of Jesus. So that's found in John chapter 17. And we just prayed what we call the Lord's Prayer. And many have observed that we should really call John 17 the Lord's Prayer because he prayed it to his Father. And maybe the other version is the disciples' prayer. And so it's our prayer for sure. But here's the verse that um, engaged me really for years because the idea of this verse um, astounded me. Here's what Jesus prayed. I do not pray on behalf of these alone, his disciples, but for those also who believe in me, that's us, through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Their future glory, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, Just as we are one, I in them and you in me. Isn't that astonishing? One of the most wonderful mysteries of the Christian faith is the Trinity. Um, The fact that God is three and God is one. There is no analogy that can properly explain that. We've tried all kinds of them. They illustrate the truth a little bit. But there's none that can help us to understand properly that God is three persons and one person at the same time. That every member of the Trinity is fully God. So God the Father is fully God. God the Son is not sort of second-rank God. He is also fully God. God the Spirit is not um, the agent of the true gods. He is also fully God. And as we try to get our minds, although we we will try in in a futility um, to do that, Jesus says, and here's something else. If you want to be absolutely flabbergasted, I want my Father to invite you into the fellowship of the Trinity. And he doesn't distinguish and say, now, um, I in you, uh, you in me, that has one sort of level of meaning, and they in us is another level of meaning. It's like whatever he means by the Son being in the Father, the Father being in the Son, he means that we too will be in that friendship or that fellowship of the Trinity. And for years I just wondered, well, how how can that possibly be true? And when will that possibly be true? So I would think it's, it's maybe something in the future that when we finally see the arrival of the kingdom of God, um, when we see the second coming of Christ, and when we are together in the new creation, maybe somehow 
we will mystically be included in the fellowship of the Trinity. Not long ago, I had an epiphany that this prayer was answered in our praying, that the way that this comes true is in our prayer. Our daily um, communication with God, our daily listening to God, our daily talking to God, that what Jesus prayed for is actually possible now in prayer. So I want to offer you a definition of prayer and say that it is a dance with three partners who move as one. So you may want to let that stimulate your brain a little bit. How, what, is, what is that saying? It's a dance with three partners, and yet the three partners move as one. We dance with the Trinity. The Trinity dances, it, it, he moves as one, and we are like the partner as we pray into the fellowship of the Trinity. So let me, let me unpack it a little bit this morning and try to um, imagine what that could look like in our lives. So one of the things, not knowing a lot about dancing, one of the things I do notice is there's this phenomenon called cutting in, right? So there are two people dancing and somebody cuts in. And the three partners each will cut in to our dance with the Trinity. First of all, the father may cut in. Um, one of the things I love watching at weddings is the first dance with a bride and her father. And what I notice is that they have their heads close to each other, and the father is usually saying something to his bride or his, his daughter. And I wonder, what's he talking about? Like, is he saying, he's a worthless character, why are you going to marry him? Or you're going to miss a real father, or... or Thank goodness you're going. I don't know what he says, but they, they seem to whisper a little bit. And so what I'm imagining is that as we are in this relationship with the Trinity, sometimes the Father particularly will cut in. And when he cuts in, he will first of all stimulate our faith. So I think of myself, I'm sitting on my porch, I am praying, I'm involving myself in prayer with the Trinity, with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And sometimes the Father will be the one who takes the lead and who speaks into our prayer. The first thing that I often hear from the Father is what uh, the writer to Hebrews talks about and, and calls faith. The thing that he says it's impossible to and please God without. Um, and when the Father steps in, Sometimes what he wants to do is stimulate my faith. Uh, I, I will range from feeling as though I'm confident to feeling more like an agnostic and saying, I don't know. And as much as I think I know, I end up rounding back to the same place, thinking through again, praying through again. And sometimes the way that the Father whispers to me as he cuts in is that he says, Without faith, it's impossible to please me. You must believe that I am and that I reward those who diligently seek me. So part of this dance is that I am always in search of God. And it's an elusive but satisfying search. It's elusive because God is so grand. 
he's so beyond um, that I will never find him. But the first thing that this, the Father might want to just whisper to us in this dance is, I am here. I am God. I am the creator. I am your Father. Second thing that he might want to say to me is, I'm your Abba. And that's exactly what we just sang. Thanks, Gabriel. Good, good Father. If you've not read the book Abba's Child by Brennan Manning, it's a, it's a wonderful book that helps us meditate on this fact that when Jesus talked to his father, he called him Abba. And that was against the background of Jewish scholarship and religious practice in which you never called God by any name. You would refer to him as the throne or the heavens, but you would never say his name. And when Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he says, when you pray, say, and they probably listened with bated breath, what's he going to say we should call God? And Jesus said, when you, when you pray to God, here's his name, Daddy, Abba, the Aramaic word that simply lets a little child use those early motor skills of speech and say, Abba. Jesus says, if you want to talk to God, here's his name, Father, Daddy. And many, many times what I need the Father to whisper to me as he cuts in is, I'm your Father. I'm a good, good Father, and I love you. Many times my mind says, oh, I'm sure if God wanted to talk to me, he would want to correct me. He would want to chastise me. He would, he, he would be telling me all the things that I'm not. And God would say, Ian, I just want to tell you I love you. That there's nothing you can do to make me love you more or differently. There's nothing that you can do to make me stop loving you. I love you dearly. When the Father cuts in, I think he often says that to us. And then as I, in prayer in this dance, as I try to understand my world, my life, the lives of my friends... One of the things that the Father will, will often do is affirm his sovereignty. Um, as, I, as I look at Ukraine, as I look at all of the things that Sylvie mentioned this morning, um, I, I'm drawn into a place again and often of saying, is God really sovereign in all of this? As I think of um, some of my family members who are ill, as I think of some of the difficulties that I see people in, then there's, there's another voice in that dance, and it's the, the voice of our enemy who will say, um, he's not in charge. It's random. It's chaotic. And in the Father's cut in, one of the things that I think he often will say is, I am in charge. Nothing happens that takes me by surprise. Nothing happens that will frustrate my eternal plans. I will get what I have decided to get. I will do what I have decided to do. And the story is not over. So the father may be the one who cuts in from time to time. The next person that may cut in may be the son. And as he cuts in, um, depending on where I am, what is happening around me, uh, the son may have an agenda. He may have something he would like to whisper to his dance partner. 
very often the thing that he will want to whisper to me is that he is my advocate. Um, in John, uh, Jesus talks a lot about what's going to happen um, when the Spirit comes, and he's going to talk about who he is. And in Hebrews, we're given this lovely instruction that says we don't have a, a high priest that can't be touched by our feelings, but we have someone who has suffered in every way like we do, who has faced everything that we face, and he feels who we are. He feels what's happening to us. And we are able to pray to the Father, to that whole dance trio, and we're able to do it with the confidence that we have an advocate. There's somebody who is in heaven at the Father's throne who is lobbying for you, for me, who is advocating for me or for you. There's also an enemy who says, did you see what Ian just did? And the advocate, the son, will step in and say, but I died for him for that. And he's not to be charged with that. I will be his good advocate. Second thing is that in that same respect, he's there to be our great high priest. He's there to come to the worship place of the Father and the Spirit and to represent us as he comes as our priest who is sort of daily ministering the sacrifices um, that are delivered to the Father. And the last thing that I'll mention about the Son as he cuts in is to affirm our forgiveness. I don't know about you, but that's, that's the one that is maybe my go-to, even out of all three partners, is to regularly understand that I'm actually forgiven. Do you struggle with being forgiven or knowing that you're forgiven? I mean, I know it academically. I know it theologically. But do I really know that I'm thoroughly forgiven? Um, one of my favorite preachers is a guy called Alistair Begg. And he's a classic Scottish preacher. You should just search him and find any sermon he preaches. It's just lovely. And he preaches one sermon, and in, in that sermon he says, imagine that the thief on the cross gets to heaven, and St. Peter or somebody says, well, <laughs> you lived a pretty scandalous life. Why do you think you should get into heaven? His answer is, the man on the middle cross told me I could come. It's a delightful little idea. And as you fight the fight that I fight, of believing that you're forgiven, no matter what you have done, no matter what you've thought, no matter what you've not done or not thought, um, tell the voice at the back of your head who is saying that you're not forgiven, tell that voice that the man on the middle cross told you you could come. It's a beautiful picture of what was accomplished for us by the Lord Jesus on the cross. The third person that may cut in, of course, is the Holy Spirit. And when he cuts in, he will do what Jesus promised he would do. Uh, Jesus said that when he comes, in fact, Jesus said to his disciples, um, it's better for you if I go away. At which point the, the disciples are going, uh-huh, how? And Jesus says, if I don't go away, the comforter can't come, the, the spirit can't come. And when he comes... Jesus says all the things that he's going to do. And some of those things are in the dance of our prayer, our relationship with God. He will bring to mind everything that Jesus said, and he will lead us into the truth about all things, all truth. 
And you go, whoa, that's amazing. Um, the Holy Spirit is that aspect of God um, that causes greatest confusion for us. If you're like me, you, you probably imagine the Holy Spirit as kind of a cloud or a vapor or, or a, a, a feeling or something like that. And yet the Holy Spirit is thoroughly God. He's a person. In the early church, there were two characters um, that sold some land and then promised that they were giving all the money they got from the land to the church, but they didn't give it all to the church. And so um, Peter said to them, why did Satan fill your heart? You've not lied to God, or you've not lied to man. You've lied to God because you've lied to the Holy Spirit. He is thoroughly God, and he is co-equal in the Godhead. And that person in our prayer lives will help us to dance by reminding us of all the things that Jesus said. Do you find yourself sometimes you're, you're just meditating on something and there's a verse of scripture that seemingly uncannily comes into your mind? And then you go through that little head game of saying, oh, is it because I memorized that verse and it just like it was an association thing that happened in my head? Or is it actually the Holy Spirit? And you need to test it because Satan knows the word of God very well as well. So he can use a verse of scripture to confound you or mislead you in some way. But that should be pretty easy to kind of sort out. But when that verse is about what you're thinking on, what you're trying to decide about, it's the Holy Spirit. He's, he's in the dance, like he has cut in and he's reminding you of the things Jesus said and the things that are important for you to know right now. The Holy Spirit will also pray for us when we don't know what to pray for. How many of us find ourselves in a place where we're trying to pray and we don't even know what to pray for? Somebody's um, anxiety is so weighty um, that we feel for them, we, we, we hurt for them, um, and we don't know what to ask God for. I mean, we have, there's some go-tos that we pray for. We pray for peace. We pray for a sense of God's presence, his comfort. But sometimes we just end up running out of something to say when we're praying about something. And when that happens, um, there's a glorious verse in Romans that says, the spirit um, groans with us um, with words that can't be uttered. Um, some people have the gift of tongues, and when they pray and God gives them a different language in which to pray, um, some have said that what's happening is that that is the Holy Spirit who is putting words into the mouths of believers to pray for something. I don't have that gift. I would love to have that gift. I tried to get it many times when I was young. I went to the front, to the altar many, many, many times, I tried to follow the coach who said, just start saying some words, and I would try, and everybody else was getting the gift of tongues, but I wasn't, so I don't have that. But I have the Holy Spirit, as do you. And when we don't have the words to express either our deepest joy or our deepest pain, the Spirit takes what he knows is in our hearts, and he puts words to those things that God hears that may just be groaning 
for those of us who are in the middle of, of the difficulty. The third thing that I think about the, the spirit cutting in about is that he brings joy to this dance. If, if you'll humor me on this dance analogy, uh, it, it's as though God has designed the dance. God has um, authorized the dance. Jesus has the dance cards to give to us that allow us into the dance. And the Holy Spirit orchestrates the moves. He energizes the dance. The doctrine of the Trinity is profound, confusing, and delightful. And yet, we are actually invited mystically into a holy relationship with God as we pray and as we do life in which we are all the time in the presence of this wonderful dance partner who will sometimes cut in um, in one of his roles that is important to us where we are and when we are. We can also cut into the dance. Um, we may have something going on that we believe that the Father uh, has some um, currency about, that the Son does, or the Spirit. And we feel, first of all, that we should shrink back from even being bold enough to think that we should cut in. I mean, like, you know, the Trinity dance must be beautiful, and it's lovely that each member of the Trinity might cut in to include me, but isn't it kind of arrogant to think that I could put words into the dance? I, I could do the whispering in the dance? In, in John, again, where we get so much information about what Jesus has done, will do, and the Spirit will do, um, Jesus says, the day will come when you can ask the Father for anything in my name, and, and he'll do it. And then he stops and he says, no, wait. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf, because that's what you're thinking. The Father himself loves you. So the, the, the whole idea of having a patron in the society of the New Testament was that if someone important or someone wealthy had something you needed, if you could find a patron, um, if you could find an agent who would even get to a patron, maybe you could unlock the wisdom or the riches of the person who has something that you need. So the disciples would have been thinking that, that what Jesus was promising was that because he had that agency, if they asked him, he could go and ask his father. Jesus said, that's not what I'm talking about. The father himself loves you. So you can be as bold as to as to cut in into this dance and just bring the thing that's on your heart or your mind. And you might even say, could, could I bring this to the Father? And now, now in the human dance, there's some offending that goes on when someone cuts in. The Trinity is never offended. When, when I cut in and say, I'd like to, to talk to the Father, it's not as though the Son says, what, really? Why can't we be there? Um, it, in fact, when I talk to the Father, I am talking to the Son. I am talking to the Spirit, right? But they're not offended. 
when I dress myself in a certain way in the middle of the dance. Um, maybe something that I've identified this morning um, will come to your mind and you will say, well, here, I, I, I need to be talking to the sun. I'm struggling with knowing that I really am forgiven. So I'm going to talk to the sun. I'm going to say, okay, this, this is your wheelhouse. Um, this is what you bring to the dance, and this is what I need. Or maybe it'll be to the spirit in, in one way as well. I love all genres of music. I used to say I like all kinds of music except country, but Annabeth has won me over, and I also now <laughs> like country. Yeah. I, I, when I say that, I, I, I see the country fans all around. It's, li it's like when I do a funeral and say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I see the Catholics all crossing themselves. Right? Ah, there they are. I came across a song um, many years ago, and it's, it's called I Hope You Dance. Here's the first verse. I hope you never lose your sense of wonder. You get your fill to eat, but always keep that hunger. May you never take one single breath for granted. God forbid love ever leave you empty-handed. I hope you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean. Whenever one door closes, I hope one more opens. Promise me that you'll give faith a fighting chance. And here's the line. And when you have the choice to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. When you have the chance to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. We could sit it out. It's all been done. I mean, our place in heaven is secure. Our sins are forgiven. Um, so we could just wait, sit it out. Or we could say, I'm, I'm going to dance. Um, prayer maybe confuses you, but... I hope you dance. I hope that you decide it's worth engaging in this profound relationship in which you have a partner who is three, who moves as one. And the wonder of that is enough to just fill your mind and your heart and to understand that prayer is a wonderful gift to us. It's, it's actually the way that God answers the prayer that Jesus prayed that we could be in them, that we have a mystical relationship that's like a dance and a joy as we live in the wait time until we are there and know it all for sure and understand it all much more clearly. So if you have the chance to sit it out or dance, I hope you dance. <laughs>